please remain standing for the reading of the scripture, which is found on page 1157 in the Pew Bible, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. Hear the word of God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for his display, for the display of his splendor. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Has anybody ever heard of the experiments they do at, I think it's at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology? I think that's what it's called. Um, the engineers have to take an egg, very fragile thing. Anybody ever broken an egg not on purpose? Of course, fall on the floor and it makes a mess. Dog tries to clean it up until he gets to the shell. But anyway, they take an egg and they have to design a contraption to put this egg in and then they drop it from I don't know how many feet and if they successfully drop their egg in their contraption they made and the egg doesn't break, then they pass. Otherwise, if the egg breaks, they fail. Now, you might ask, why would they do such a thing? Well, because an egg is so fragile. We know, we, we crack them all the time and when we make things, they break very easily. Well, our lives in a lot of ways are like an egg. We are very fragile. We just heard about Louise this morning who broke her leg. What was it, one step, Dave, that she missed? One step, one step. I don't care if you go down 20 steps, if you miss the last one, you can break your leg. Or if maybe if it's three steps and you miss the last one, I could step off of this thing right now and break my leg. I'm gonna step back now so I don't. But we are very fragile, and I'm not just talking physically. Even more than physically fragile, we are a lot of times emotionally, mentally, spiritually fragile people. Things can change in our lives quickly. If you don't believe me, just ask anybody who was living in Louisiana in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit. Devastated that city. Now, they've rebuilt since then, but how fragile is life and things in our lives like that? And it, maybe it's not a natural disaster. All it takes is for one person in a committed relationship to say, you know what, I'm done. And the other person's left brokenhearted. Fragile. But because we're fragile, and God knows this, he has promised us ways to overcome when we have physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, 
problems in our lives. He created our bodies so that they heal. Louise's leg will heal. If you've ever had a broken bone, you know this. They heal, don't they, Glenn? (laughs) Glenn had two broken fingers not long ago. They heal. Our bodies do heal. God has done that for us. Relationships can be restored or time will heal the pain. We know that in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, they rebuilt after the hurricane. Our lives are fragile, and at times it seems like they're completely destroyed. But every one of us here, if we've been through some kind of trial, we can say, unless we're going through it right now, but if we've been through one, we can say, look, we came out on the other side. Because that's what God does for us. So in this passage we read this morning from Isaiah, it's in a, in a way, a lot of ways, it's a two-part passage. He's, this is all, when he wrote it, was for the future. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry, and he reads, he goes to the temple, he opens up a scroll, and he reads this to the crowd. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the, for the prisoners. And he stopped. He said, this has been fulfilled in your presence. He fulfilled that part of it. Now the rest of it is to come. It's, it, if we read on in verse 3, it talks about the future when Jesus returns again. So he will fulfill that part then. But... What he was trying to say when he started his ministry, he's saying, freedom is here for you. All of you fragile people, both living now, lived in the past, and he was talking about us living in 2023. And those that aren't even born yet, he was talking about them too. Freedom from so many things. The first thing that I want to talk about as we're going to go over the next few weeks. We'll talk about many different things that we have freedom from, but the first one is sin. Freedom from sin. Now, we have to be careful when we say that because we're still sinners, okay? There are people who say, don't call yourself a sinner. Call yourself a saint because you've been freed from sin. I agree with that, but we still will sin, Hopefully not as much when we come to know the Lord and we grow in him, but we still have that propensity to sin in our lives every day. But what Jesus has given us the freedom from that we don't often take hold of is the knowledge of what sin does. We have freedom from the penalty of sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Whether you're a king or a queen or you're someone living on the streets, all have sinned and everyone in between has sinned. No matter gender, race, ethnicity, nothing. We all sin. And then it goes on three chapters later to say the wages of sin is death in Romans chapter 6. 
the wages of sin is death. Meaning that when we sin, the only thing we have left to face is death. But Jesus freed us from the penalty of sin. I don't know if I've used this example in a sermon before, but I may have. I know I've used it with several people, so some of you this may not be something new. But let's say I'm driving down the road, and I get a speeding ticket. Let's, let's say we're driving in Powhatan. So I was probably doing 36 in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. No, actually, I was doing 50. This did happen. <laughs> I saw the cop, and I immediately pulled over. Okay? So anyway, let's just say that I have to pay this fine now. And um, this was many years ago, by the way, many, many years ago. I didn't even know Tanya then. Many years ago. So you have to pay this fine. So if you say this part didn't happen, let's just say I go into court and the judge says, you now have to pay $100, okay? If someone comes up and says, I'm going to pay that $100 for you, I'm free from that debt, right? That's what Jesus did for us. He paid the price of our actions. He paid the price of our actions. Now, the insurance company doesn't know. They don't care who paid. They just see a report that says, Phil Bliss got a ticket doing 50 and a 35. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to raise his rates. And guess when we're going to lower them? Never. Never. So the insurance company raises my rates, okay? So I'm not really free from that. Well, I could be. I could drop my insurance company and go somewhere else. But anyway, what I'm trying to say here is that Jesus paid the price for our sins forever, for good, once for all. So, you know, we come to the Lord, we have that day in our lives when we, we, we realize that we, either we hear it from our parents or a friend or read it in the Bible. I don't, we all come to the Lord in different ways, but sometime in our lives we said, you know what, I get it. I get this. And we go to God and we say, God, I want that salvation. Forgive me. I believe. However we say it, we have that moment in our lives where salvation is now ours. The Holy Spirit comes into our spirit and we are free, completely free from the penalty of sin. And we, we, rejoice, we rejoice, and you know, some people say they have this feeling come over them, and some people just feel like they're walking a couple inches off the ground, and it can be different for everybody, and it doesn't matter. You're free. But then, let's say it's a month later. Temptation comes, you fall into sin. Somebody's talking about somebody else, you start to gossip. You see that someone got a new car, you're like, ooh, I would, I'd really like to have a car like that, or a new house, or whatever it is. Any kind of sin comes in. Yes, jealousy is a sin. The Tenth Commandment is basically jealousy. So anyway, these sins come in, and we're like, uh-oh, now what? We all have to go through this, no matter what it is, no matter how bad or how small or large we may think the sin is. To God, it's a sin. He doesn't say, well, let's see. You performed this sin, that's number eight on the list, and then this person performed number one. He doesn't do that. They're all sins. But you know what else he does? You know what God says in that moment? I will help you not do that again. Does he say, hey, you're going to hell? No. 
Jesus paid that price once, once, on the cross, forever. But what happens, and the part that we don't take hold of is, we think in our minds, hmm, God's pretty angry with me. Or maybe we don't even realize at the time, and we keep doing it, and we keep doing it, and we keep getting deeper and deeper into this sin debt. And we say, at some point, you don't know what I've done. I don't think God can save me. I, you know, there are better people than me. Why do we say that? We have freedom. We have freedom from the penalty of sin. Now, I'm not saying our sins are okay. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But we have freedom from the penalty of sin. He said to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. We have that freedom. Not just until we sin again, we have it permanently every day that we have breath in our lungs, we have that freedom. We have that freedom. So we need not say, oh, I really messed up this time. What we do instead is we turn to God and say, God, you know what I did. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Help me to not do that again. So there's the struggle. It's back and forth. We're being pulled in two different directions. We know God has freed us. He's given us life. But then we live in this world and we continue to sin and we continue to do things we know are wrong. And then we wonder, is, does God still love me because I keep doing wrong? Yes. Yes, God loves you. Yes, you're still going to heaven. Yes. Now, it is not good to keep on sinning, but that is something that you work with God on yourself. It's nothing that anyone can come against you and say, you're wrong. Now, there are places in the Bible where it says to bring two or three witnesses before someone in the congregation and tell them to stop sinning. Yes, I understand that, and there's a time and place for that. But what I'm saying is, if someone is judging you because you're doing, your sin's worse than theirs, don't listen to them. If they're trying to help you come out of some sinful action, then listen to them. But if they're just passing judgment on you, don't let that put you back into prison. Pastor Ian used to say, the prison door is open. Just walk out. That's what Jesus did. We kind of put ourselves in these own little prisons that we create for ourselves in our minds, and we think, I'm stuck here because of what I've done. That door's unlocked. You can walk right out, and you can leave that all behind. Oh, I know, easier said than done, right? But God has the power and the strength to help you leave that behind. And that's why Jesus came. To first give us the freedom from the penalty of sin, but then to give us the freedom to work with him to not do it again. That's a beautiful thing. That's the power of God. That's the power of God's love working in us. If we go beyond Romans chapter 3, where it says that all have sinned, and then we go beyond chapter 6, where it says the wages of sin is death, and we move up to 
chapter 10 where he says, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. We keep going, we get to chapter 12, and there's this verse that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have choices in life. We can choose to continue to live in sin, or we can choose to come out of it and work with God towards getting to the point where we don't do it anymore. We start out not doing it as much, then we get to the point where we do it even less, then we get to the point where we just don't do it anymore. Okay? Don't expect an overnight change. It can happen, but most likely it won't. Let God work with you because he's patient. He'll get you to the point where your sinning has stopped and whatever it is. Now, something else may come up, but then you'll work with him on that. But that renewing of your mind is saying, I believe that I can get out of this because Jesus gave me the freedom to work with God. He gave me the freedom to work with God. You see, God, when Israel was sinning, God sent prophets to them. He sent judges to them to tell them to stop, and they didn't. So he sent them into exile to bring them back. He did bring them back and is in the process of still bringing them back. Okay, But now, instead of sending us into exile, he says, work with me. Jesus made it possible for me and you to have this one-on-one relationship. This wasn't possible before Jesus. We now have this freedom, one-on-one, with God. Now, the best person to ask if you have questions about God, about your relationship, about the Bible, anything, it's not your pastor. It's not me. The best person to ask is not your spouse. The best person to ask is God himself. And then second comes your spouse, your pastor, your friends. They're all on the same playing field, second to God. Go to God first, ask him. Then if you have more questions, ask someone else. But make sure you put God first because you have that freedom to come to him directly now because Jesus has given us freedom, has given us release, has given us that open door to our prison cell that we can just walk right out. It's ours for the taking. We don't have to accept this captivity any longer. We don't have to accept the things that we create in our mind to say that we've ruined something. And I don't know about you, but I've said that many times in my life, and I don't believe it anymore. We now have access to God. So stop saying that you've ruined things and say, God, how do we restore things? Because that's what he does. He restores. It is ours because Jesus gave it to us. Will you accept it? Because you don't have to accept the captivity any longer. Think about that. Pray on that. Dwell on that this week. And see if you don't find yourselves having more freedom when we come back next Sunday. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the great release, for giving us freedom from our sins, for giving us access to you directly. Wow. To think that we have access to the creator. These fragile, broken lives can come and be restored. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being our God. 
Thank you for the gifts you've given. Thank you for the knowledge you bestow on us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.